Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Love Languages, Excellence in Parenting. This is week two of the teens. So, Brother Alec, would you want to pray over our session today? Even though we've already got started. And we've already got started. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this night that we have together, Lord. We thank you for the wisdom that's going to be imparted to us, Lord. Let it come across freely, open our hearts and our minds to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. So we've talked about the teen test that you all should have copies of, and I can get you more copies if you have multiple teens. Uh, the adult test, if you have not already taken that. And then we also have this chart. I just printed this off for reference. I know it's a little pixelated, but even if I printed it smaller, it was still pixelated, so I just went ahead and left it big. Uh, this is a generalized chart, but it can definitely be applicable to your teens. And maybe just something to kind of show. I love that it gives you the love language, the actions that you can use for that love language, also communication. And then it tells you what should be avoided. And sometimes that is where we can kind of miss it because we feel like, well, I'm trying to do this love language, but maybe do something that would not, uh, that would not come across as helping our teen to feel loved. And we do need to be careful of that because teenagers are very sensitive creatures. <laughs> mm -hmm. So teens are growing, they are changing, they are, they're in this struggle you know, we've talked about, uh, one of my favorite analogies is when Pastor had preached that about the butterfly, the born to fly, and how they, a caterpillar, it makes the cocoon, but you can't break the cocoon for it. It has to struggle because it's the strength that it gains. And somebody just referenced this in some one of the classes or somewhere I was sitting this week, but you know, the, the caterpillar needs that struggle because that's building the muscle for the wings of that butterfly to be able to fly. And so as teens, we sometimes want to fix their life. We want to say, this will be better for you. We want to make it easier on them. But as parents and as uh, adults in teenagers' lives, we have to be careful with that because some of that struggle is needful for them to become that, that grown-up that is really going to become a contributing member to society. Mm -hmm. They can feel so unlovable. And try to remember what you felt like as a teen. We do tend to remember the good things, but if you would think about it, you could go back to the teenage years can can very easily become a dark place mm -hmm. can very easily become this place that i don't fit in nobody loves me i'm totally <coughs> different than everybody else does god even know that i'm here and it's crucial that they can have unconditional love from parents and from adults during this time Earlier, I had said in one of the earlier sessions that, you know, love languages can change over a person's life. But the book from the teenagers says that it's not going to change just because they become teens. But the way that you can express love to them in that language is more than likely going to change because 
as they're a teen and struggling to become an adult, the things that made them feel loved as children can now make them just feel like a child. So if they really love for their parents to rub their feet when they were a kid, as a teenager, they're going to be like, get your hands off my feet. Don't touch my yeah. feet. Why are you trying to touch me? Get out of my space. You know what I mean? Even if their love language is still physical touch. So we've got to find the creative ways to make them feel loved in that and I don't want to get like out of my notes. I'm always out of my notes and all over the place. It's just kind of the way I operate. But, you know, so then it is, oh, they're sitting at the kitchen table doing their homework. And, you know, you, you walk by and you like kind of elbow them. By the way, guys just do this automatically. Even in our church, if you see a guy, I mean, you know, there's probably some hugger guys in the church. Probably. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. But they're more likely to... Or, you know, mess up your hair or to do something, you know, it's that physical touch kind of thing that's just like, hey, you know, there's a slug on the shoulder kind of thing. So in doing that with our kids, too, is another way to make them feel loved. And remember, although we all have primary love languages, we need to be able to speak all five of the love languages fluently so that our teens can learn fluently to speak these languages because their primary love language is going to be how they most communicate and most feel loved but everybody around them is going to have different languages and so it's not just about it's not just about them <laughs> it's about helping them again in society to be able to communicate all of these different love languages in effective ways so um I said, uh, this is like a personal note, but you know, our need for different love languages can go up or down based on life experiences. And I have seen my own uh, language, like I just talked about, I'm kind of even keeled now. You know, mm -hmm. nine, seven, seven, six, those are all kind of like on that same playing field. Kudos to my husband, Mark. I'll give him a little shout out. So I, that that's a uh it my test didn't used to show that it used to have two that were really high and then one that was really low and then two that were just you know kind of like a three or four but i can also remember taking the test a few years ago when andrew was in his like early mid-teen years when we were experiencing the five love languages of teenagers for the first time and i had one language that was way higher than all of the others and it was out of sync with what I had tested for in the past. It was because in my personal life, there were personal things that were going on at that time that were really affecting me. And so for me, I think it was words of affirmation because I was very unsure about where I was and what God was doing in my life and some of those things. And I really, I just needed somebody in my life to say, good job, you're gonna be okay. And so when I took that test, it really showed that. And so also be aware of that as you give, you know, give your teenagers the test, give it to them if they're, you know, 13, give it to them again when they're 15 or 16. And again, when they're 18 or 19, you can always use it as something to kind of, you know, corral everybody in um, you know, maybe make a, a weekend out of it and, and look for something fun to bring out of the five love languages. And again, I'm getting out of, ahead of myself, but we'll get there. So, 
Uh, you do need to know your child's primary love language, but then also your lowest rated so that you can make sure that you're speaking fluently in that. And um, I think I need to go buy my mom a card for her birthday. So uh, <laughs> your teens need to feel all five love languages and they need to see all of them in action. And remember statistically from last week, teens are not more likely to, um, to be filled with trouble their teenage years than any other age or stage of life. They don't suddenly go bad. But if they have parents in their corner and adults they can reach out to for open communication, most of them do get through the teen years relatively well. Make sure, again, especially in the church, we have this great resource where we can say, and say to your teenagers, listen, don't assume that they're going to choose the best person in the church if they need to talk to them about something. I, I was very consistent in saying to Andrew a few times through his life, okay, you know what? You're not going to want to talk to me and your dad about everything that's going on in your life. So if you need somebody to talk to, who can you go to? And sometimes I would give him names. And then there were times I would say, if you needed help, who would you go to? And then I could kind of gauge where he was. And there were times where I would have to, there was a name that he brought up one time. And I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> and so in, instead of saying, oh, no, don't go talk to them. They're a hot mess. You know, that's not, that's not going to be effective. No matter if that's what mom's thinking or not, they weren't really a hot mess. It was just somebody I wasn't sure they would they didn't have any corn in the crib, as the saying would be. So they're not going to really be able to give any life experience in that. And so it was, you know, our list, was, uh, obviously Pastor Bounds, uh, Brother Cody, Brother Gene was always somebody that I would tell my son, if you need anything, you can talk to Brother Gene. There is nothing you can say to that man that's going to shock him or surprise him. He's going to be able to know right where you mm -hmm. are. Uh, you know, there were family members that we could go to. It's important to make sure that your kids know where they can reach out to to find that safety because have you ever heard that there's safety in numbers mm -hmm. in the multitude of counsel there is safety yes. yeah so when you are telling your kids listen i know i'm not going to have all the answers and sometimes i'm not going to be the cool parent so these are the people where you can go and and help get that so uh anyway um, our goal is to set teens up for success and also for family relationships to thrive and our Heavenly Father loves us, as only a perfect God could. But if we will invest our time in prayer and the Word, we will become more like Him, and we will also become better at loving like He loves. And He does know exactly how to help our children to feel like the precious creations that they are. They're not kids anymore. Teenagers are in this transition towards adulthood, and the book says it like this. The melody playing in their mind is independence and self-identity. That is a really good statement because that's what they are trying and growing and fighting for and also sometimes feel like they're fighting against us because of that. So it must be harmonized with all of the physiological, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and social changes, man, that was a mouthful of a sentence, that are taking place in them. Teenagers will not respond in the same manner that they did when they were children to the very same actions. And the reason for this is because of, and I said that earlier, it's going to make them feel like kids. So 
hello, don't get your feelings hurt. You're the adult here. You can't get upset with them because, oh, well, they've always loved that before. Why don't they love it now? What's wrong with this? And you can't take it personally. You've just got to say, okay, why isn't this working for them? It's just like when you have three kids mm -hmm. and all three of them react differently to oh, the yeah. very same activity. So you just have to realize that as they're growing and becoming this person that they're supposed to be, you've just got to become a little more creative. So uh, this is another reason we need to be careful when uh, expressing love in front of their peers. Does anybody have any horror thoughts of being a teenager and having a parent or a loved one or someone do something and be like, oh, mom, not now. Um, be aware of the kids that they are with. Someone... Um, There was someone who, as a teenager, they didn't want their parents expressing love when they were hanging out with their friends because they had a friend who didn't have parents to have that kind of relationship with. Mm -hmm. So as this teenager's growing in empathy and being able to realize that they have this great thing, the parent could have been upset why 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 you're all of a sudden not cool with this or whatever when really it was that teenager growing up into that adulthood saying well I don't want them to feel bad because they don't have parents to love on them like I have on me and it's a great reason to remember you don't know what's in your teen's mind there's no way that we can know what's in these teenagers minds there's no way that we can walk into school with them and see all the things that they see and hear all of the things that they hear, and they are their own person. And so we've got to do what we can to uplift them and help them and just constantly be refueling that emotional tank. Uh, on to the five love languages. So the first one is words of affirmation. And um, I always think that this is, oh, it's 7.30. Okay, we should be pretty good on time. I was thinking I was going to end early, but we started late, so it's going to work out okay in the end. Words of affirmation. So this can be words of praise. You've got to make sure that it's sincere and that it's truthful. Because if you say to your teen, Oh, you did such a great job cleaning your room. And they know they did not do a great job in cleaning their room. So no sarcasm. Yeah, okay. And so we talked about this with yeah. kids. That kids, um, you can't use sarcasm with kids because they're not going to get it. And it's going to make them, it's going to make them feel awkward and make them feel unloved. But teenagers, teenagers are getting sarcasm. So if you're saying to them in sarcastic tones, you did a great job cleaning your room. Yeah. It'll come back to you, trust me. You know? So, and I am a firm belief in words of affirmation that there are some, there are some kids, and my son was one of them, where sometimes sarcasm, that was like the language of, of some of his days. I could say stuff to him sarcastically that I could not have said in this regular conversational tone but as a sarcastic remark it kind of okay it cracked him up and he understood and it, it was a true you know there was a nugget mm -hmm. of truth in there that he got because I had wrapped it in this sarcastic comment so um, make sure that with your teenagers and again if you have more than one one of them is probably going to be fine with sarcasm and another one's gonna be like 
You know, so yeah. you've got to know who uh, who it is that you're dealing with. So, oh, but yes. you do need to give words of praise that are sincere and truthful. You need to praise specifics. It's important that you give them specifics because you can say, "Oh, you did a great job cleaning your room," and maybe they did. But if what they really did a great job in was changing their sheets and taking their dirty clothes to the laundry, then that's really what you should say to them. Uh, thank you so much for changing the seats on the bed. Oh, and for making the bed. And thank you for taking your, your dirty clothes down to the basement. Because when you say you did a great job cleaning their room, they're thinking, well, I didn't dust anything and I just shoved a bunch of stuff under the bed and I did, you know what I mean? They might be thinking of the stuff that they didn't do a great job on. So if you can be specific with them, especially if their primary love language is words of affirmation, be specific with them. And you can also get more, um, you can get more mileage out of those compliments because then you can take instead of you did a great job cleaning your room, you did a great job vacuuming the carpet and thank you so much for emptying the vacuum cleaner whenever you were done. Okay, I don't know if any teenager has ever done that. No. But if one did, that would be something to praise them for. And you did a great job on this and thank you so much for doing that and for putting the cleaning supplies back where they went and you know all of that stuff you can really break that down and uh, make them feel like you really do appreciate that and we do appreciate that um, praise results so man I know you spent a ton of time studying for that test I am so proud of you for getting that a but what happens if they spent a ton of time studying for the test and they got a D well, then you can praise effort and say, I know you tried really hard to get a good, to do a good job on that test. And I'm really proud of you for studying and putting in that time and look for the things that you can praise. Um, words of affection, because if, if words of affirmation are your primary love language, you need words of affection. But if you're just always, I love you, I love you. <clears throat> Every time you leave, I love you. Every time you come back, I love you. Every time you, okay, love you, bye. After a while, yeah, she's shaking her head. She's like, it doesn't count. Because after a while, it just becomes like, it's a hello. Yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. just get used to it like everything else. So take that I love you and creatively, I'm going to ask you guys for some pointers here in a minute. So that's your, that's your little warning creatively think of some other ways that you can say to them that I love you or uh, I feel proud of you. So what would be some things that you could say to a child that would be words of affection for them to a teen? You're my favorite. You're my favorite. That's a great one. I say that to Harper. <laughs> I love that. You're my favorite. You're the best. Well, I know it's not a teen, but with Lincoln, we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth and we'll say, um, I love you to the moon and back. And he'll say, I love you infinity and beyond. Or yes. he says, I love you to the back of the moon. Because he doesn't oh. understand. <laughs> You know, Yay. there was one other one. So I love you up the moon. That's another one he says. I love you up the yeah, moon. Yeah, I love that. And it's perfect. And if you, like, if you scrolled on my phone, there would be, you know, um, love you bunches. Go ahead. Love you more. 
love you That's more cute. is a big yeah. one. And I have I have adults in my life that will send like if I'll yeah. they'll do something or I'll be texting and then I'll say love you and they'll say love you more and it yeah. just makes me feel good that they would care so. that these people <laughs> would say that to me. So um, I adore you. Um, you know, if I could pick any teenager in the whole entire world, I would pick you to be mine. That's good. You know, because teenagers do sometimes feel like, okay, I know I have not done one thing I was supposed to do this week. Um, I'm feeling unlovable. I'm feeling cruddy. I'm feeling ugly. That These are real things that, that these kids struggle with. And sometimes, especially especially in our busy lives of society today, we can kind of get all wrapped up in in ourselves or in a work yeah. deadline or in taking care of this or that. And we can kind of just be like, well, they're awesome. But if we don't take time to say, and that's another one, you're awesome. Yeah. You're such a great kid. Or you have the best sense of humor. So as you're saying, I love you, think about those creative ways. And I love that uh, to infinity and beyond. And uh, that was one that Andrew, we used to use with him whenever he was little because, hello, Buzz Lightyear. And um, everyone's like, you've got a friend in me. Uh, Andrew and I can still go back with song battles and like one-liners of like different songs oh, and that. Okay. And it's a great, it's just a great way to to communicate and to share those words. So um, words in the presence of others can really matter. Family and people that are close to you. Um, and again, not this bragging over the top type. Not this one who says, oh, my kid is so much better than yours. Um that's just annoying and the teenager doesn't like that either or lord forbid you would create a teenager who becomes that one upper and so you know it's that sincere that we're just sitting around the table having lunch with our friends and say something like um oh i am so proud of jenny she uh she did a great job on her economics test uh, and her teacher said yada 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 about her or whatever and where you're bragging on them so um, physical touch I'm gonna go on to physical touch cuz cuz we spent seven minutes there and we were supposed to only spend five so physical touch so appropriate times places and manners um, almost never try to touch a teenager when they're angry uh, and we're actually, next week, we're going to spend a whole section talking about teens and anger because they are in that struggle to become a, an adult. That's a big part of it, learning how to deal with anger, learning um, what is appropriate responses to anger. Um, but even if they're angry at someone else and you reach out to them, they can see that touching as like a way to try to control them. And, you know, teens get upset about a lot of stuff. So take advantage of touching your child instead in times of celebration. And again, this is, you know, the pat on the back, hey, good job. Or, you know, when you see them in the morning, if they're, if they're in that stage where I'm like, I don't want you hugging me. Don't be hugging me. Don't hug me at home. Don't hug me when we go out. Don't hug me. I'm not kissing you goodbye. You know, that whole stage of it that just, you know, as they, as they leave each day, you know, nothing wrong with a high five. Or um, why not create like a secret handshake with your teenager? Something that is just between dad and me or, you know, some kind of little show, a little physical touch that is something that is just shared between you and your teen to really make them feel special. 
Um, I put this little note in here for uh, we are Pentecostal, so let's talk about it. Times at the altar, and everybody's just all boo-hooing and crying, and you just want to go get these kids and, and hug on them and love on them and um, respect their space. Some kids don't want you hugging on them and loving on them. Sometimes they're open, sometimes they're not. Um, but let me just say, don't be a jerk if your teen doesn't want you loving on them at the altar. Be thankful that we have a church and a pastor and a pastor Cody. We have so many ministers, a great youth team, uh, so many of our older saints that, that pray and work in the altars that can be there for them. This is a great atmosphere to raise kids and teenagers in. And no, we're not perfect, but again, give your kids that space for them to kind of feel it out and, um, it's okay. It's okay. I have seen, I couldn't even count it on two hands, kids that are up there and they are praying at the altar. And I've seen, I've seen it done right. I've seen where the parent kind of waited back and just watched from afar because I want to kind of see what's going on. And then I have seen parents that as soon as their kids do that, they just run for them and they're just grab onto them and they're just doing that whole old fashioned, yeah, you know, hold on, let go, rubbing their back. And oh my goodness, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we have been in some of those altar services and I'm so thankful because you know what? Oh, that was like old school, and we do not do that. Our, our pastor has, because we have taught about that, we have instructed, but I can remember growing, I can remember growing up, I'm trying to think that these people have all gone on to be with the Lord, so it is okay. We would have, we would have people, well, they're not in the church, so it's okay that I could, um, we would have somebody who, who would, who would do that whenever you had stammering lips so they would get under your chin and then they would just and they would just be stammering lips like right in your face right in your face I don't know what this was supposed to help me do but it wasn't helping me do anything except for being like why are they touching me like that and you know if you hit a little hard it's like and then we they would come and they would rub your back like wax on wax off rub your back yeah and then there would be people that would get so excited they would shake so they would be behind you and be like yes hallelujah that's it that's it and i mean you know come on it's crazy you're talking about there's physical touch all over the altar and none of it is 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 a um constructive you know so let's be thankful for that that now we have this great altar space where we can give our kids i'm sorry that is hysterical but um yeah if you have ever been there let's just be Jesus, I thank you right now for a pastor who has given instruction in the ways to pray for one another in the altar. So, and I love when we see our young people get together in the yes. altar and all the young men, um, you know, put their arms around each other and the, the young ladies all huddle together. It's a beautiful, great thing that we have. So, um, okay, so a good rule of thumb from the book is never to touch a teenager in the presence of their peers unless they initiate it. And again, this is about them feeling loved, not you feeling like a great parent. So if they resist, um, just back off and, and find another way. So, um, you know, use, um, you can use touch 
uh, gentle, a gentle touch when you are correcting a behavior. So if you have to talk to your teen about something they're doing and that you, um, you know, that you need to say to them, it's okay to use physical touch, put a hand on their shoulder and say, I know that da 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 but this is this is what's going to need to happen and, and use that physical touch as a way to reaffirm because with me gently putting my hand on their shoulder it's it's not an angry touch it's not an over but it gives them this feeling of okay my mom still loves me everything's going to be okay this is just one of those you know because here's the deal so sometimes i've known teenagers that have done stuff that was so out there ridiculous and they didn't have a clue at all but I've also seen teenagers that did something that was, oh, it was just a normal teenage thing. And they thought they had, it's like the worst thing in the world. And it just totally destroyed their life. And so as, as teenagers are going through this, it could probably be the same teenager on two different days. Yes. Because some days on it's like, day. on the same day. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hello, 13-year-olds have so much on their plate. You just don't know how hard it is for them. So um, just remember that. And I do want to say this, okay? So fathers, listen. You have to, especially if you have girls, and actually both of you do, you have to stay connected to your girls. It's totally fine to hug them when they're kids. And then because society is so screwed up, like fathers think, oh, well, I can't do that or that. Stop. You have got to, got to, got to. You need to hug on that girl. You need to tell her she's beautiful. You need to make sure that you stay connected with her. It will help her to grow and, and to self-identify that I'm a woman and I'm worth loving and I have value. And also, girls who have dads that physically have contact with them are older when they become sexually active mm -hmm. and the ones who have even if dad lives in the home and they separate from mm -hmm. them those those are the girls that, that go out and because they're looking for that physical yeah. touch teenagers crave that yeah. but they crave it on their terms and that's okay because they're trying to build strength and to becoming a responsible adult um, so I'm going to go on to quality time. Um, quality time is probably the hardest of all the languages. It's not that it's the hardest to learn. It is hard to learn because we can count things as quality time that don't really count. But we in our society feel like time is so important and everybody's so busy and we don't have time to give to but what if your child's primary language is quality time? If you never take time to spend with them one-on-one, -on -one, they're never going to have a full emotional tank. Even if you give them all four of the other languages, they're going to feel somewhat loved, but they're never going to have that feeling of, of total unconditional love from my parent. And you just have to make it happen. So um, it is more demanding than the others, but it's necessary. And even if it's your child's lowest, you still need to give them quality time because again, we're training and, and teaching them to become 
adults that have the ability to do this. So be there, really be there, focus on them. Uh, let them talk to you, have these quality conversations, um, asking them questions and listening to what they say. And I have eight guidelines for quality uh, conversations that I want to hit on really, really quickly. Um, this is in the book. Again, it's so important. I'm just going to read these. I'm not going to give you any other things on them, but maintain eye contact when your teenager is talking. That's hard to do sometimes with adults. I'm just saying sometimes my Ushani gets the better of me and I can't do it. Don't multitask while listening to your teenager. And if that means saying to them, honey, I know you're trying to tell me something important. If you will give me five minutes to finish putting these dishes in the dishwasher and get it turned on, I will be right in and we can sit down. You can talk to me about this. Listen for feelings. Listen for them as they're talking about something. What are they really saying? How is the situation really making them feel? Observe their body language because they can say a whole lot and they don't need that little grimace face to do it. But just how they're standing, how they're positioned. You know, are their arms crossed? Are their arms hanging at their sides? Are they slumped down? Um, refuse to interrupt. Oh my goodness. This is so hard. And we, because as parents, we want to solve their problems, especially dads, because that goes back to that whole dads want to have the solution. Um, research has indicated the average individual listens for only 17 seconds before interrupting and interjecting his own ideas. And parents of teenagers probably are even quicker than that. Because we're, we know we're smarter than them. We think we're smarter. Sometimes we're really not. But we're like, we know what the answer is. This is all you need to do. Or, honey, that's so, don't even let that bother you. Don't tell a teenager that something that they think is stupid. Don't say, oh, that's stupid. Why would you even let that bother you? No. Because what they are feeling right now at this time and place, that is a very real emotion to them. Um, ask reflective questions. When you think you understand what they're saying, state it back to them. First of all, it shows that you're really listening, but you can say, so am I hearing you right that you're really upset because Becky said this to you whenever you were at lunch or whatever? Because what you might find out is not that she's upset that Becky said that to her, but that Johnny was sitting right there and heard Becky say that. And so you've, you've got to ask those questions so that the teen can work through their feelings too. Especially with girls, we get it out by talking. We need to say this to them. We need to say this to somebody, and then we can figure it out ourselves what we need to do most of the time. Express understanding. The teens need to know that they've been understood, um, not, just, not just heard, but that you've understood them. And number eight, ask permission to share your perspective. Ooh, for parents, this is like, why should I have to ask permission? You need to ask permission because one, if your teen says yes, then you know that they're open to your permission or to hearing what you have to say. If they say no, they're not gonna listen even if you're talking. So why waste your breath and let them have that opinion to say whether that is okay or not. Um, you know, it's okay. So, um, I wanna kinda, let's see. Oh, yep, maybe we will run out of time. Okay, I wanna go into acts of service. La 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 la, because we have acts of service and gifts. 
And um, so acts of service is such a huge deal. We're actually uh, talking about right now doing an entire life group about serving and hospitality because it's so needed. And it's really needed in our society. It's needed in our church. We need to learn how to serve one another. Um, you can't talk about serving without talking about Jesus because the creator robed himself in flesh, came to earth not just to die for our sins, but while he's here, he picks these disciples, he takes them to the upper room, and he washes their feet, which was like the most menial job that a Jew could have. Well, okay, I guess maybe other than slopping pigs, but I'm just saying it was it was a low job to have, and he is washing their feet. Remember, they were probably, at least some of them, still at Jesus' crucifixion would have been teenagers. He was serving them. Ministry is serving, and true greatness is expressed in serving. Um, parents serve for years. Hello, when you give birth to that child, you bring them home, you are serving them because they can't do anything for themselves. It is serve, 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 serve. Yes. And we can kind of get caught up in that entitlement of, you know, um, the, the, it doesn't become about serving. It should be done out of love and not out of force. And as parents, sometimes we can need to get maybe adjusted on that. But we also have to remember that we need to teach them to serve. And that's really one of the problems that we see a lot of in teens today. Um, you know, if a teen doesn't know how to do the laundry, is it really their fault if their parents have never showed them how to do the laundry? But can you really feel good about yourself if you can't even operate a washing machine? That's true. You know? I just learned how to use the iron, so. Hey, good job. Good job. You know, it's a big deal that a teenager can do basic housekeeping skills and basic cooking skills and that they have just these basic, we, we do the ICANN series here for our teens to help make sure that they have those basic skills, but we have to model this service. And so a good rule of thumb is don't do for them what they can do for themselves. So you teach them how to do it, and then you let them do it. Now that doesn't mean, uh, you know, Andrew's done his own laundry since he was like 11. And um, at one point I allowed him, if he had the laundry in the laundry room by a certain day, I would do it for him, but he would never get it there. And so if he didn't have it there the day I was doing laundry, then you've got to do it yourself. And so he has done his own laundry for years. He also is a cook who would several times cook dinner for Mark and I, which I was very thankful for. He's a good cook. That doesn't mean that I never cook for him. So it's not, you know, that you just cut them off and hay, but, you know, um, a 15-year-old should be able to make their own bed. Mm -hmm. Now, if I want to go in and really do a thorough cleaning of his room while he goes to camp, which used to be my MO every year when he would go to camp, I would go in and do like this really deep clean of his room and all of that stuff. That was just because I just wanted to take care of him, you know, while he was gone. And that it wasn't because, because I had to do it. It wasn't, you know, that that I was being forced to do it or, or whatever. That was an act of love. But we have to teach them how to do the things that they need to do to be responsible. Oh, 7.54, okay, I'm doing good. We got one more and it's gifts. Okay, so what makes a gift a gift? What's from the heart? What's from the heart, that's good. Um, 
Go ahead. Meaningful. Just something given to somebody by you. Yeah. Something meaningful. Something given without expectation of yeah. return. Yes. Something that is um, not given for um, if you do this for me, then I'm going to buy you that dress because that's, that's not a gift. That's barter. And there's a, there's a place for that. But if your teen's primary love language is gifts, you need to make sure that you are giving them opportunity. And, you know, anything can be a gift. Um, make it special, um, make it a ceremony, you know, wrap it, present it nicely, uh, give them something in front of others. Um, one of the things that, uh, that the book talks about is cash is really kind of an iffy gift because sometimes you're giving them for a specific purpose. So, okay, well, here's the money for you to go to midwinter. We just did midwinter. So, um, did they work for that? Okay, well then that's that can't be counted as a gift. Um, is it something, this is where you kind of get that line of make sure that you don't want somebody who is expecting that you're always going to pay for that. They probably should, you know, if they're 17 and, and don't have a job, that's okay, but they probably should do a few things around the house or maybe go work over at grandpa's house and get part of the money for... Uh, you know, for midwinter that way, because again, you're kind of teaching them about this whole responsible adult thing. So it's also important that you do make sure that if you thought right now, when was the last time you gave one of your children a gift that had no expectations with it? Was it at Christmas? Was it at their birthday? Um, was it something that can you really make sure that that was just a gift that you just gave to them just out of out of the love or the kindness of your heart? And again, if that's their main love language, you want to make sure that you have that filled. So uh, one of the things that the book says that um, is just so worth mentioning, don't ever don't ever give them a gift if you have a question as to whether it's for their well-being. You know? Don't give your 12-year-old a smartphone. Yeah, I'm getting on that again. Right there it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? Yeah. I, I don't care if Grandma spent $1,000 on that iPhone 15 or wherever we are right now on the iPhone. You know what? It is not worth it. It is not worth whatever, whatever chaos it will bring in your life. So you just have to say to Grandma, thank you very much, but they're just not old enough to take this and, and hold this responsibly yet. Thanks so. again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.